0: Blog Talk Radio. This is all about wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert Ron.
1: Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that.
0: Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's wine. Thank you. Much.
1: Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Okay. Well, here we are, All About Wine, on February the 22nd, 2024, live. 702. Sorry I was a minute late. I was trying to get the thing set up. Mike and I have been talking. We have a guest tonight. And he canceled uh, for tonight. He's uh, in a... uh, Actually, he's in Bordeaux. And it was awkward for him to come on at 7 o'clock our time, Eastern time here, because it would put him, like, in the middle of the night. And he said there was no place for him to do the conversation without making noise and waking up the baby. Okay. So that was the word I got. And... He asked if we can reschedule some time where he can talk to us in the uh, later afternoon Bordeaux time, which would be morning our time. Uh, You know, not early, early morning, but, uh, you know, later morning. So we said, okay. But the problem is that Mike uh, is who is not with us tonight. Mike works during the week. He has himself a, a nine to fiver. And so he's tied up that, and then Saturday mornings, I do taxes, and I am tied up on that, and so that only leaves Sunday morning. So I have been corresponding with Mike. He says, fine, Sunday morning works, but I haven't heard back from our guest if he is able to do it this Sunday morning. If he is, then you can tune in to a Sunday morning. We will be doing a live broadcast then. And then we will be replaying it, but not next week, 29th. We have a guest on the 29th, Uh, and so uh, we will be uh, uh, not playing the new show, uh, not this Sunday morning show again on the 29th. We will be playing it in March sometime, but I am starting to get guests booked for March, so I don't know. I don't know when we're gonna be doing it, but it will be there. We will have Giles. He's uh made a movie and I'm uh look forward to talking to him about it. So that's why we don't have a guest tonight. You got me tonight, and you got me for a short, you know, for a while tonight. I'm not gonna uh I, I really wasn't ready for this because we were corresponding, we thought we were gonna not do this show tonight and go Sunday morning, but we don't know what's happening Sunday morning for sure, so we're not going to do that one, so I decided I'd go ahead and hook up onto this show tonight and talk for a while and talk about some of the news and stuff I've seen and heard around in in the wine industry and make some comments and just uh, give you a short show here on All About Wine. What do we got coming up here? Okay, today is the 22nd, which is National Chili Day. And, oh, I love it. My wife makes a great pot of chili. Uh, She uh, actually makes two great pots of chili, and we feast off of one for a few days. She takes the other one, and she freezes it, and then we have it for a later date, which is fantastic. So, that is National Chili Day. I have wine with my chili, but I usually have something light and usually red because she makes hers pretty bold so i usually have a red but depends on what style the chili's in i suppose you can have something lighter but uh, i usually go uh noir and sometimes i'll do uh cabernet and sometimes you know these are not heavy strong powerful wines, but uh, the ones I choose are lighter, but it usually goes well with the chili. Tomorrow, National Banana Bread Day. Oh, I love a good banana bread, and I haven't had one in a long time. National Banana Bread Day. Uh, Again, something light on your wine. Saturday, National Tortillo Chip Day. And this could be fun. Uh, Depends on what dips you got. Guacamoles or uh, uh any type of sauces or anything you do on there, match your wine to your sauce, not to the tortilla chips, and you can have yourself a good old time, also beer, I suppose go good with the tortilla chips. Sunday is quiet day, which I suppose that would be good for any wine you can do you can <laughs> just drink wine and do it Monday carp dam day uh seas today. Uh again, any wine you want. Tuesday, big breakfast day. And hey, most people don't think about wine with breakfast, but you can. Mimosas? You know, you can do yourself a mimosa, you can do yourself a Moscato, you can uh even a Gewerts. Something light and fruity. And it would go well, I think, with uh with some breakfasts any type of breakfast so try that and uh, uh, Wednesday is Global Scoosey Scouse? S-C-O-U-S-E Global Scouse Day and it's a uh, what does it say here the uh, I'm having trouble reading this. Probably because these glasses are scratchy. Uh, Liverpudlian stew, uh, which has many uh, variations. So it's a stew with lots of variations. Get yourself some wine. Uh, I'd go red with that too. And uh, have yourself a... Uh, uh, stew. So there you go. That is some food to match up with your wine drinking for this coming week and, mm-hmm. and enjoy some wine. I wanted to comment, too bad Mike's not here, I wanted to comment with him, but I have been seeing a lot of stuff, a lot more stuff than I would expect to about dry January. Yeah, the phenomenon where you don't drink at all during January, you forego beers and wines and uh, spirits and all that stuff, and I've seen a lot of stuff talking about it. It seems to be a bigger movement than I really expected it to be or anticipated. I just heard about it, and all of a sudden, I'm seeing a bunch of stuff after it's over, I am starting to see a whole bunch of stuff about Dry January, which seems odd that they they start publishing it more after it's over than before it was on. I guess people aren't too excited about promoting it. But Dry January, it's uh, they said that the millennials are grasping it more so than anything. Uh, they are looking at doing uh, less drinking and sobering and cleansing. And they said that uh not drinking for a month can help cleanse the system, <sighs> yeah, I suppose, but I don't know uh, and they said that the uh reason for cleansing the system in January is it's the winter time and all that it's a good time to do it, and after the holidays and everything, so dry January is really starting to catch on a lot more than I would have anticipated or thought possible but it is, it's out there and it's uh, something that we uh guess we're going to have to start looking at each year as something coming up here uh dry january though it's uh still seems very odd to me but it's um i guess it's going to be a thing that we're going to have to have to deal with and going to have to look forward to each year look forward to it? Well, I don't know about looking forward to it, but something that we will have to have to look at each year. I've got some little bit of stories for you. Let me look up my page here for my stories uh, about the wine industry. And oh, wait a minute. Is this the one? Yeah, okay, here we go. Um, just odds and ends here. Uh, I'll uh, you know, tell you about, and then when I get (laughs) tired of telling you about it, we'll end the show. Um, Organic wine fraud coming out of uh, the European Union. The police have seized assets worth over half a million euros uh, in an investigation that uh, they're... uh, the EU sought, uh, uh, the producers sought EU funds to convert to organic grape growing, and they're not. They were just getting uh, the funds so that they can say that they were going to grow grape. I, I didn't know there was funds available for it. There probably isn't here in the United States, uh, but in Europe, well, uh, Italy, anyway, I guess, Europe. Uh, in Italy, they do have a a fund that you can apply for and get uh, backing for your uh, organic wines. Well, they have uh, seized assets. Oh, don't block me out again. Okay, uh, they have seized assets uh, uh, worth more than uh, 520000 hundred twenty thousand euro. Yeah, I guess so. That little sign, then again another little sign of something else. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh the company is operating in the wine sector whose legal representatives attested that it had carried out the conversion to organic methods of cultivation in order to receive the co financed money. But upon further investigation, uh they uh, have found that no, they are not doing anything uh, to pursue the organic labeling or uh, try to get the uh, their vineyard. They never mentioned the vineyard, which is probably a wise thing, uh, but they uh, said that they didn't do anything to try to get the vineyard organic. Uh, although Italy uh, is saying is nearly one-fifth of the total vineyard area is now organic, uh, according to uh, the European Commission's Wine Market Observatory uh, as of uh, December 2023. And it says since 2012, 138% jump in organic vineyards in Italy has taken place. So Italy is really starting to grasp this. But obviously, when you start doing stuff like that, it is open to abuse and that's exactly what happened uh, this uh, opened it up for abuse this time uh, let's see uh, and yeah I'd like to say I'm going to be looking for some articles here I did that last week too didn't I will we start seeing more fine wines on the screw cap is it going to be a thing for a screw cap now They are improving the closures. They are improving the closures on screw cap quite a bit. I mean, it's quite quite a lot of research going into it. And it's something that uh, a a lot of wineries tend to be going to screw cap. Uh, This article here says uh, the the findings may go some ways to changing attitudes about the use of screw caps. Uh, those attitudes are the fact that uh, they are actually wineries are actually using it for long-term storage. They're finding that it's not doing much to the wine. In fact, it is storing it quite well. I heard something, and whenever I see, see screw cap for long-term storage, I saw something. This is oh well, 2015. Uh, I, Yeah, because I still had the winery going. And it was, so it was in 2015. I read a couple of articles and I heard a podcast and, it, and quite a bit of stuff about the fact that screw caps, for long-term aging, they were testing them in Australia quite a bit for long-term aging at the time. I heard that screw caps would increase the level of SO2 in the wine. How that works, I had no idea. I didn't see anything at how it could or why it should increase the SO2, but they were finding that as the wine aged, they would test the SO2 when they would open it and the SO2 had jumped up considerably. Uh And, you know, you if you're looking for it, you can taste it. Uh, it can jump up quite a bit and most people won't notice it, but the SO2 was jumping up quite a bit with screw caps. And screw caps don't air. They don't uh, do exchange of oxygen, whereas quarks do. And I've had people tell me that that's not true, but I honestly think it is true that quarks do an exchange of oxygen uh, slowly, very, very slowly. But it does happen. That's why a lot of times when you have wine sort of being aged for a number of years, and I'm talking, you know, 100, 120 years or so, partway through that aging process, they will replace the cork and pull out the old ones little squirt nitrogen on top of the wine so it's not having air sit on it and put a new cork into it. It happens. And you know, you say, no, they don't do that. You yeah, they do. I've, I've talked to people, and I know for a fact. So, but if screw caps are creating a higher SO2 levels, again, I don't see how or why, but I heard that. I haven't heard anything since then, though, which is, well, it makes me tend to believe that maybe it's not true if they... You know, some reports, maybe just some reports out but people trying to get away from screw caps and finding something wrong with them, which you know it happens whether we want to admit it or not. But um, the ideal closure type of wine could be could vary from vintage to vintage, actually, depending on the grape varieties and the blends and things like that. So screw caps could be used uh, in, in the right Uh, Right situation. Uh, Scientific evidence proves that a screw cap would give the best results for your wine, whether it's an eight-dollar one or an eighty-dollar one. Uh, So, you know, winemakers need to take notice of this. People, I I don't think it's the winemakers so much; it's the the acceptance of people, and that is the main thing. the fine wine, people are just not ready to to look at a fine wine, one that they're spending $50 and up, uh, or $120 or whatever, and find that it has a screw cap on it. Uh, brands, all sorts of different brands are doing it. Uh, and it's... You know, part two of them, I, I, I don't have a problem with this group cap. One of the reasons is I have read statistics, and I guess this is true, but the percentage of wines, I think, is like 90% or 95%, something like that. The percentage of wines that are consumed within the first 30 days is up like 90%. People buy their wine, they take it home, and they drink it. Very few, if any wines, are actually put away and stored. People buy wines and drink it. And even the ones that are costing more money, they'll buy for a special occasion, they'll take them home, and they'll drink it. So, a uh, screw cap is not going to hurt anything. It's, it's, it's age that it, or not the it, but it's sealed it for the length that it needs to seal it, and that's it. So you know, uh, I, I like I say, I don't have a problem with screw cap. I need to get a hold of uh, oh, gee, I just had her name uh, ah uh, the, the Las Vegas Wino. That's her website. I'm not saying that, but she is so dead set against screw caps, it's not even funny. I need to get to old of her and see if can't get her back on show and see what she says about screw caps again now since it's been a while. Uh, but it uh, at the moment, screw caps are associated with no aging and easy drinking young wines, and that's the attitude that people have. And it really needs to be re-examined by the public. Uh new wines are easier to introduce with screw caps because the product is still not on the market. But the screw cap will continue to be uh imposed, if you will, not only in the mid range wines, but also in more expensive ones they're saying. It's it's not something that's going to go away. This is something that's we're going to start seeing more and more of a screw cap and it's going to start popping up in wines that you would least expect it. A lot of times when the capsule is around it and they do put capsules on screw caps, a lot of times when the capsule is around it you can't tell it's a screw cap. So you get home and go, "Oh, wow. Look at this. This is a screw cap on this wine." And you pop it open and it's okay. So, uh they're saying basically on this article, though, a new generation is coming that wants to go beyond tradition. And they always blame the millennials and Gen Zs. Uh, well, not the millennials, the Gen Zs and the Gen Ys. Uh, the consumer is increasingly looking for the comfort of opening wine without a special device. Anytime, place, regardless of, the, of whether the wine is fine or not. Well, you know, it, that attitude, put it in a can, put it in a box, put it in anything. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's uh, basically what the article says at the end here is it's time to let the wine stall decide the closure. Yeah, maybe it's uh, but what particular wine style, you're going to say, well, this really does dictate a screw cap. I don't think I've ever done that on a bottle of wine that I've opened. I don't think I've ever said, wow, this really should have been a screw cap. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's it's an ongoing debate, and it will continue to be an ongoing debate, I think, for as long as we have wine, as long as we have screw caps. Uh, it's not going to change. Okay, let's see what else we've got here. Uh, how Europe's wine regions are coping with climate change? Uh, what does it say they're doing? biosphere, uh, okay, green It says the climate around the Mediterranean rim is changing. What's well, changing all over the world? Uh, winemakers in France uh, met with students. And they all recounted how it has changed so much in France. Storms, frost, hail, drought. And they said the summer of 2017 was the turning point. It lasted through, through November with several days at 45 degrees Celsius. I can't convert. teach myself a quick conversion of Celsius to, centigrade, or to Fahrenheit because... You know, I, I just sort of guess. What I do is I uh, double Celsius and then had half of it back in. So 45 be 90 and then another 20 into it. We're looking at 110 degrees plus there. I guess that might be a good way to do it, but I don't know. Um, but it's uh, it's an issue that the climate change is affecting everybody in different areas, especially areas around the Mediterranean because they're getting a lot of hot weather, a lot of summer hot weather. Okay. Uh, The world's most wanted syrahs. Yes, it's got a Z on it. That has to be Australian. Uh, But, yeah, the most one of Syrahs, Pinfolds Grange Bin 95 Australian Syrahs. And a score of 96 points, and it's only $629. I bet you that won't have a screw cap. Uh, they've got one on this list that's 91 points, and only $35. Is Stefano Amarigi Syrahs from Cortona. Uh, so. But you've got the Rhone, Rhone, Australia, Rhone, Cortona, Rhone, Rhone, Rhone and South Australia. So, and they range anywhere from six twenty-nine down to thirty-five. Most of them are in the hundred, though so upper hundred. Well, not all of them. Quite a few that are up are higher. So, fancy uh, Sera. I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to justify paying a hundred dollars even for Syrah. Uh, there are some great ones. I don't think you can get them. Uh, well, I won't editize on the Syrah. People love them and more power to them. It's, it's, it is a good wine. There's no question about that. Okay, let's see. Uh, uh, the Sonoma County Barrel Auction honors wine industry's trailblazers. Uh, no. Alaska Beverage Board is being sued by breweries and wineries. Uh, they filed the lawsuit Tuesday, and then this is this is this last Tuesday. This is new news against the Alaska Alcohol and Beverage Control Board, alleging that uh, entertainment restrictions faced put them at unconstitutional disadvantage against bars and other establishments. Hmm, interesting approach. Uh, come on. Uh, this goes in, this is a, a, a Anchorage Daily News, and so I have to click through the stuff that's required here to get to it. 21-page lawsuit filed in... Uh, Anchorage Superior Court threatens to continue the conflict between businesses that an alcohol bill approved by the legislature in 2022 was designed to end. That bill loosened some restrictions on January 1st for tap rooms and breweries and distilleries, including allowing them to hold a limited number of live events after previously barring them from doing any live events. Uh, The case now names Joan Wilson, who is the director of Alaska Alcohol and Marijuana Control Office as a defendant. I love that. Alaska Marijuana Control Office. Alcohol and Marijuana. All right. Wilson cannot be reached for a comment. The plaintiff Zip Kombucha, an Anchorage company, uh, can't offer live entertainment games to its venues without first receiving a permit from the officer's director, and paying a $100 application fee or more. Licensees are limited to four entertainment events annually in the tasting rooms where alcohol is served. Uh, Boy, bars, restaurants, and campus pubs need to have more flexibility to be able to have music and entertainment on their premises than lawsuits said. Uh, Three classes of alcohol retail license are not required to obtain a live music permit, nor do they face restrictions on the number of entertainment events they can provide. But breweries and wineries are restricted, so they are suing to get uh, their equal number of Vince and to do it under the 21st amendment, states have a right to regulate alcohol as they see fit as long as it does not interfere with interstate commerce. So, these states have a lot of latitude for how they decide to do it. So, the states saying, No, you can't do this, and the people are suing because they said that's not right. So, there you go. If I see more. On that, I will let you know. Uh, I might. I don't know the Anchorage news here is hard to navigate through. Let me see if I can get out of it. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Florida lawmakers one vote from allowing bigger bottles. Oh, remember I told you about bigger bottles uh, a few months ago, I think, uh, in Florida. It is not good public policy to criminalize the sale of wine based on the container size. <sighs> yeah, really. After years of pressing the matter with poor results, P-O-U-R, uh, Lighthouse Point Republican Representative Chip LaMarca may soon pop Florida's cork on wine container sizes. Uh, legislation to allow bigger bottles in the Sunshine State is closer than ever. House lawmakers unanimously approved it and to allow restaurants and retailers to sell wine in glass containers in 4, 5, 9, 12, and 15 liters. That's a pretty big jug. One week after identical bill, uh, Senate bill by uh, a Panama City uh, senator, cleared its final committee and uh, continued there. So, for the first time since Lamarca originally proposed the change in 2021, both the Senate and the House versions of legislation have reached the floors of their respective chambers. Uh, Let's see if it happens. Uh, Florida statutes today prohibit commercial sale of wine in bottles larger than one gallon. Or a reusable five point one six gallon containers, a gallon is about three point eight liters you know three point eight seven five you know um, yeah so uh we'll see we'll see what happens uh and for several years uh, they've worked very hard to get the wine across the finish line and into the state of Florida so uh for supporting it, maybe just maybe we can get wine in larger containers, we're restricted I go down uh, uh, what is it oh jeez, I'm getting old and I can't remember things Of uh, brewery around here uh, Storm? No, I don't know, yeah uh, Storm Brewery you can find your favorite beer and have it put in the container and take it home well we do it every once in a while but the problem is we're it's limited on the size of container you can use and so uh, it, it runs out pretty fast you don't want it to sit there too long anyway but it runs out pretty fast so, so uh, looks like this might change this is just for wine or this for beer also Uh, wine, I guess it's wine, just wine. Uh, let's see, wine, wine bottle, wine bottle sizes, wine bottles, wine container, wine container sizes, wine containers, you know, nothing about beer, just wine. That's okay. You know, wineries can start selling, selling it to people in, in wine, or in, uh, big bottles and have them bring the bottles back charge them so much for the bottle and if they bring it back then get a refill or they can turn it in and get their money back that's a way to do it um, so I if you listen to the show was it last week or the week before last uh, uh, Stephen Castles uh, was on we have been corresponding about it was last week. We've been corresponding about getting a couple of people he knew onto the show. One of them was uh, the Korean lady that was helping with that. He sent me the email twice, and twice it has not came through, which is really strange. It just, he goes, here it is again. And then it wasn't there. But I've looked up a couple from New York. That he works with that does all uh Native American grapes, and he sent me an email saying so that he has talked to them about me, so they will be on the show uh whenever we can get arrangements there that won't be too far off i'm I'm sure, but uh that uh I don't know what brought that up, I just thought of that now uh Let's see this red wine was written off now it's making a comeback. Let's see which one this is. Now it's making a comeback. Uh, for a while the demise of California Syrah was particularly yeah. No it wasn't. You know, it's always been around. People drink Syrahs forever. And this is the San Francisco Chronicle and I do subscribe but I don't know the number of my subscriptions, so I can't I really need to get get that looked up. But they're saying Syrahs. Yeah, no, it's not Syrah's. Uh They're saying it's making a comeback now. Tablas Creek. Tablas Creek, I subscribe to their their uh, website. And uh, they do a uh, organic Syrahs. So, uh, so, okay, let's see what else we got here. Uh Virginia Wine Expo is coming up. a date I'll tell you for anyone who might want to attend the Virginia Wine Expo is march the uh, is running from Friday this Friday. Wow, tomorrow to March the third about a week. Most of them don't run uh, for a week. That's strange. A Virginia Wine Expo. Uh, the main event, the Grand Tasting, where visitors stroll Main Street Station and taste as many tipples as they can, will be held Saturday, March the 2nd and Sunday, March the 3rd. Creator and Executive Director Alex Papajan says this is still the best bang for your buck. Choose one of three sessions and your $85 ticket get you four hours of sips from 26 Virginia wineries and 14 Virginia distilleries. Well, that's not a bad deal. $85 and you have a three-hour session to go around and sip as much as you want. They, you know, you can buy two sessions if you want. I'm sure, but uh, four hours. No, I said three hours. I said three sessions, four hours. So that's plenty of time. Uh, if they don't have I'm sure they have crackers or something there at the tables, but if they don't, take some with you, throw it in your backpack or something. Uh, But you have um, 26 Virginia wineries, 14 Virginia distilleries, plus additional wines from Italy and Oregon and around the world, along with cider, mead, specialty food, and artesian products. And about half the vendors are new this year. There you go. If you live around Virginia, if you live on the East Coast, that might be worth a trip over there. That's going to be next, uh, well, the second, third is Saturday and Sunday. So that's uh, next week. That's a good deal. You can buy a Saturday VIP ticket that gets you into the noon to four session at 11 a.m., and that's only $110. It also beats the crowds, but it's uh, they show a picture over here at the expo hall, and it's just a, a hall with winery set up on either side. It looks like it's could be pretty crowded, and you know it's almost worth that extra money to get in and do it early. Uh, the Virginia Wine Expo is really 10 days of events that take place across the city. There are seminars, lunches, dinners, and theme tasting events. A new event this year that is certain to sell out is the Tequila Bamba, Bamba at Conehose with Chef Danny Mina on Friday. That's $129. The dinner will feature a curated selection of tequilas, mescals, wine, and cocktails alongside Mina's Mexican Cuisine. Oh, my gosh talking about a bellyache after that uh, that should be interesting and let's see what else they got going on here uh, a lot of Virginia wines and uh, the uh, they're going to bring in a couple of regions Italy and Oregon and that will be uh, the thing this year they always try to bring in different regions uh, there will be lots of wines from Italy and Oregon to sample plus you'll see these regions are highlighted in special events so uh, they have things going on there you can purchase tickets for different things Uh, the uh, global sparkling and champagne celebration at the Virginia Museum of History and Culture on Saturday features more than 50 different champagnes from around the world with the focus on Prosecco alongside artesian Italian products Influenced by cuisine from 21 spoons. That's $135 a ticket. Now you're starting getting to the money. $135 here, 85 there, 110 there. It could get quite expensive before it's all over. But think of all the wine you can taste for those prices, though. It really best thing about it is you don't have to go around and. Buy all those wines. You can taste everything and make notes and all that. And if you go, be sure you make take notes. That's really one of the keys to it. Uh One of the big events that they do on this, though, is the Virginia is Oyster Eat at Main Street Station, and that's on Thursday, February 29th, from that's next a week from today, from six to nine thirty. It's 119 dollars. And it's uh, a night of oyster dishes and shellfish paired with wines, scotches, rum, and cocktails from Chesapeake Bay Distillery. Wow. And if wine dinner sounded a little late for you, try the convivial long table lunch at the barn at Oakdale on Sunday. That's from 12.30 to 2.30. That's only $120.00 a dollar more than the other one, actually. You'll get a multi-course lunch from 21 Spoons paired with Italian and Virginia wines in a rustic, scenic venue. And all the funds go to the Richmond Metropolitan Habitat for the Humanities. And they have package deals. So you can check out more at Virginia Wine Expo. OneBigLongWord.com. Virginia Wine Expo and you know it'll show you in all events they say include uh, a Stolzel crystal wine glass to keep so there you go lots of food lots of fun and lots of uh, lots of drinking but isn't that what wine festivals are all about? And they've got also all a whole bunch of other stuff there also. Richmond Times Dispatch. Now this is starting to bounce around on me, show me other stuff. Uh I finished that article and it wants me to subscribe. One dollar for three months, so that's a pretty good deal. But then you get hooked in and you don't unsubscribe. Okay. Uh let's see what else we have here. Let's see. NOLO. I'm hearing more and more about that, too. This article says, NOLO, wine's final frontier. No, say it isn't so. Uh, The rise of no and low alcohol wines, or NOLO, comes hand in hand with the increase of those seeking a healthier life. Hence the big deal with dry January. Says the benefits of a traditionally alcoholic of a traditionally alcoholic beverage with alcohol without alcohol are huge. For those with addiction issues or who are simply taking a break from alcohol, it can be psychologically they can psychologically offer the placebo-like adult sophistication of an alcohol beverage without the assorted health risk. I really have an issue with a low alcohol or no alcohol. A lot of these really do have a little bit of alcohol in it. And I have had friends over the years who were alcoholics who actually attended meetings and were proud of their so variety if you will and they you know i mean actually one of them i played golf with and he says i love the smell of beer but i know that i can't drink it because just one drink and i won't stop and i think that's why i have an issue with this low alcohol and no alcohol it's it's got i don't know i i've heard that low alcohol and no alcohol still contain uh, some alcohol in it. Uh, so, now, I don't know. Uh, maybe now they're getting it to the point where there is no alcohol, and maybe they can pull it all out or not do it. People come into the wine me all the time and say, do you have any no-alcohol wine? I say, it's called grape juice. You can go down to the street you now. I was being smart. But, uh, it's becoming quite a thing here. This uh, uh, They uh, said that the, the Geisen Group in Marlborough, Australia, uh, now incorporates six wines in their uh, 0% range. Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Gris, Riesling, Rosé, Marlowe, and recently they got a sparkling Brut, Uh, They also launched a vegan-friendly, no-alcohol Sauvignon Blanc. Vegan-friendly? They're vegan anyway. What do you mean vegan-friendly? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, But it's uh, within the low-alcohol sector. uh, It says we also have Geisen pure Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Gris, and Merlot, which is 6% ABV. Uh, 50% less alcohol and 45% less calories. Uh, 6% still, you know, a lot of wine are, a lot of beers out there are not 6%. So, I don't know. Well, I, I guess I'm going to have to buy one sometime and try it and see if, it's, see if it's got the character and the quality into it. See how much alcohol actually adds to the wine. I never considered wine without alcohol before and uh yeah maybe it's good uh, it's uh I talked to someone at the Schon, uh Schmidt Schon winery in germany's moselle valley and they've got a non-alcoholic uh, zero chardonnay and it says uh it's a young and growing category, and our competitive advantage in the market is quality. Here in Germany, we've been making de-alcohol, de-alcoholized wine dating back to the early 1900s. Jeez. I not realize it's been that long. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to read this article. It's a long article. Jeez, this thing is really long, um, I just saw it. I'll have to read this article and let you know what it says, and next chance I get it's i'm I don't know no low. it's a new category that I think I have well, I don't know <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, uh Maryland wine experience. While we're talking about wine. Here's another one coming. Uh Maryland Wine Experience. Uh the Maryland Wineries Association is planning its second Maryland wine experience showcasing the best of Maryland wines. It's uh scheduled for Saturday, April the sixth at the graduate Annapolis in Annapolis Merlin and its uh, organization represents uh, Merlin wineries and they've got uh, a hands-on seminar learn about why wine blends are so important and create your own blends and uh, sessions will also include uh, panel discussions and then, uh, from 11 to 12.30, you will have an Oyster and Wine Master Class, uh, which is uh, uh, learn about oysters, how they contribute to the bay, and the flavors that different oysters present, and other wines that pair well with these uh, oysters. And then at 12.30 to 1.30, uh, explore local restaurants and take advantage of your on-site trophy room. And then what else? One to three, uh, the art of mixology and Maryland craft beverages. And then also one 30, 3.30 um, master class of Italian varietal wines. And then the grand tasting, 3.30 to 7.00 and tickets will range from $30 to $150 for the full program. So you can, uh, early bird pricing is through February 29th, so you got a week from today. But that comes up, let's see what the tickets, are. I'll click on this link and see what it says there. A Maryland wine experience, April the 6th at Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, April the 6th to the 11th is, uh, oh no. April the 6th at 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, no refunds. Be sure you can make it. Eight hours, and it just breaks it down to all sorts of classes and everything you go to for the for the ticket price. Where is the price of the tickets? Well, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Classic response. I don't know, but that's coming up in Maryland on April the sixth. So you can't make the one to Virginia this coming. Well, in a couple of weeks. Oh, here you go. Thirty to one hundred and fifty dollars, depending on I guess what the events are and what you're going to. But uh, uh, let's see. What did they say? How many was there? This is the second annual. Let's see if we get a idea of the numbers no it doesn't so i was going to say if it's if it cuts off at a certain amount then but it doesn't say so maryland wine tasting you got the virginia one and you get the maryland one all right let's go back to uh tasting maryland and twenty four okay, let's go to the next one and see what we got here uh. hmm. Australia's largest wine region the growers there say that the prices have dropped to early nineteen seventy rates could not be good. What they'll do on that is they'll destroy a bunch of grapes. It's happened before. They'll destroy a bunch of grapes uh, just so that the remaining grapes is going to cost more. Uh, hmm, that's that's a, a dangerous thing when it starts dropping that much. Uh, okay, let's see. Well, oh, is this another one here?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, oh, okay, here we go. Uh, another tasting. This is the Michigan Wine Collaborative. It is excited to announce that from May the seventeenth to the nineteenth. It is it is you know, well, we got two months away. Uh well, almost two and a half months away. Over two and a half months, May 17th to the 19th, Detroit is set to be the center for the Taste Michigan uh, wine tasting. The Taste Michigan Invades the D, is what they're calling it, a three-day extravaganza, uh, fusion of local flavors, exquisite wine, and unparalleled experience. Climax of the weekend unfolds on May 18th at Commercial Park where Michigan Wine Collaborative, Vintage Michigan Wine Club, and Taste Michigan partners with Uncork Me Michigan Wine Festival. There'll be a gathering of 30 wineries all within the stadium for tasting and savoring and celebrations. Uh, concludes on May 19th with the Royce Annual Michigan Wine Expo. Uh, let's see, what else does that have to say about it here? Uh, experience the best that Michigan has to offer in the world of wine and culinary arts by securing your tickets at Taste Michigan. Uh, let me click on Taste Michigan and see how much the tickets are on this. Sign in. I don't know. I don't know what my password is. They do that. Microsoft does this. Uh, And let me see if it's this. Wrong password. Well, I can't can't get there. So, so much for trying to tell you how much the tickets are. I have no idea how much the tickets are. And it won't let me get in there today because it's in Microsoft and my actually it was my wife's getting into it and I couldn't get into it so uh it's opportunity to revel in a weekend of unparalleled indulgence and create lasting memories with friends and fellow enthusiasts so that's coming up in uh, May 17th and 18th. See if I can't find the price on that for you. So, all right. There we go. We have three minutes left. It's a good time to close the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the show. Let's go back to and see if we can find There we go. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in to the show. Mike has his uh, radio show on every day, every 24 hours a day flightlineradio.com. You can tune into that and listen to music uh, streaming all the time or listen to him on Saturday mornings from uh, 10 to noon. And you get a repeat of this show at noon. And then after that, you have the 1st and 15th, which is a hilarious conversation between a couple of the guests we've had on the show, Phil and Cap. So all that stuff is coming up this weekend and every weekend. And we will be back next week with a guest, uh, uh, Giles, who is is, uh, of of Winery. So we will see everybody next week. Be safe out there. Uh, Take care of yourself and uh, have a good week and drink safely. We'll see you next week.
0: Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.